following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all these, all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things, and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized each other. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. When the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon and I'm on the staff team here at St. Nick's and I'm also a student at the university. Uh, let me begin by just saying, he is risen. No, come on, we can do better than that. He is risen. Oh man, uh, I, I obviously can't hear you. Uh, so I'm just going to assume 
that you said that along with me. Uh, and if not, then, well, we can just uh, repent for that later. Um, now, uh, hopefully you've had a wonderful Easter day in spite of the very strange circumstances uh, the entire world and the entire church is in uh, in this season. Uh, I think it's interesting that even in our isolation and our physical separation, we seem to be, in a sense, more united as a church, um, that as we gather together spiritually and digitally in this season. So even in this strange season, I am just so thankful and blessed that we can celebrate Easter together. Um, I, I have so many fond memories of Easter growing up, uh, going to lots and lots of dawn services, uh, namely against my will, but um, I wanted to sleep in. Uh, but going to my, my grandparents' house, uh, gathering with my family, inevitably doing the same three or four Easter crafts uh, year after year. Um, but a memory that sticks out to me this Easter uh, actually is more recent, from last year. Uh, Brittany and I went to the cathedral's dawn service, uh, which is awesome. Maybe you uh, tuned in this morning. Um, I didn't. I was in bed. <laughs> um, uh, but maybe you've been there before, but it's, it's really cool. You, you, you go into the cloisters uh, and it's pitch dark and you can, uh, they, they light a fire. They uh, start uh, reading from uh, the book of Genesis, uh, you know, let there be light. Uh, and as the service goes on, you actually get a candle yourself and that gets lit and you kind of process into the main part of the cathedral. And it's still, uh, it's still very dark. Even with all the lights together, you still can't even see the ceiling. Uh, it's, it's that dark. And as the, the service progresses, obviously the sun is beginning to rise and there's a moment where um, the person leading the service, you know, yells out, he is risen and we, we he is risen indeed, hallelujah. And then they, they turn on the lights and everyone's cheering and clapping and, and it, it is awesome. Um, but there was this, the most adorable moment uh, when we went last year, there was this family sitting behind us and there was a little girl, she had been you know, six or seven years old, and she's obviously overwhelmed with joy and excitement and all the noise and the lights, and, and she just turns to her, her mom and she goes, Mommy, it's Christmas! And I, I, I love uh, that memory. Um, and the profound theological statement made by this little girl. I mean, she was seeing all this joy and excitement, and the only thing she could compare that to was Christmas morning and probably what went through her head was where are the presents? You know, where's the gift? And uh, our church tradition has uh, thought very long and hard about this question. What is the gift of Easter? Over the centuries, uh, we've tried to pinpoint exactly what is this grace or this gift of Jesus Christ that we receive at Easter. Um, one perspective is that uh, the gift of Easter is the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can know that our guilt and our shame, the, the things that we've done to other people and the things that other people have done to us, all of this is washed away and atoned for. We are completely forgiven and freed from these sins. And uh, the grace we receive is a clean slate and an unburdened conscience. Um, yes and amen to that. Uh, we could also say that the resurrection means that Christ is greater than the grave, that, that death no longer has the final word. Um, and in, in this season uh, that we find ourselves, and I'm particularly thankful for this, 
this meaning of Easter, this gift of Easter. Um, this season when it feels like death and disease and sickness uh, are just surrounding us and threatening to close us off from all hope. With the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can know that the grave has been defeated and death, that great equalizer that it will eventually come to every person, doesn't have to be the end, but actually is the beginning of a new life for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, down the years, some have called this gift heaven. Um, more recently, uh, Tom Wright has suggested that the earliest Christians would have seen this as life after life after death. Still others, uh, in another perspective, have, have seen uh, Christ's death and resurrection as a great dethronement of evil. Uh, that Jesus has disarmed the rulers and broken the curse that has enslaved all of humanity. And so this gift of Easter then is freedom from these things. Now, all of, the, all of these perspectives are true and in some way um, definitely are gifts uh, of Christ during Easter. But I see uh, that all of the things that we've just talked about is they're, they're means to a greater end. Being free from the power of sin, the threat of death, and the bondage to evil are in themselves amazing things. But they aren't the ultimate end of God's mission or plan. Uh, in this uh, evening service, uh, we've been working through the book of Exodus. And during uh, this time, we've been seeing that God's mighty act of deliverance didn't end with bringing the Israelites out up out of Egypt. No, God's plan all along was to make a new people for himself, uh, a people that he could dwell with, that he would uh, be God with us. The Israelites weren't only freed from something, right? They weren't just freed from bondage to Pharaoh. They were actually freed to something, to someone, being free to live and worship and dwell with God. And in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we also experience a new exodus of sorts. We are not only freed from sin, death, and evil, but through the cross, Jesus has opened up to us a new life, one that is filled to the brim with joy and peace, one that is overflowing with meaning and purpose, where we can experience the loving kindness of God day in and day out. This resurrection represents the start of a new creation. And even now in this season, he is beginning to make all things new. And so this gift of Easter is not simply life, but a life connected to God, a life lived with God. God himself is the gift of Easter. And through Jesus, we have been reconciled to the Father. Through Jesus, we are able to have a real relationship with God. It's no longer a fear, but a friendship. And, we, and it is with Jesus where we can experience this fellowship and friendship. In his presence, we can enjoy our freedom and experience this world-changing, soul-transforming love. But where is Jesus this Easter? When the woman went and visited, visited the tomb this morning, they found it empty, which is astonishing and amazing in itself. But if Jesus is our only access to this life connected with God, our only access to a resurrected life, a life that can no longer be threatened by sin, death, 
or evil, a life that is characterized by the daily experience of God's loving kindness. If we want that kind of life, and I sure do, then we need to know where Jesus is. We need to know where we can find him. Our passage we've read uh, tonight gives us a surprising but comforting answer. Jesus himself will come and meet with us. We will see that the risen Lord meets us on the road. He meets us in his word and he meets us in the breaking of bread. So turning uh, to Luke 24, 13, our passage tonight, uh, we are introduced to two travelers who are leaving Jerusalem. They are leaving Jerusalem this very Easter Sunday. They are discouraged and in grief. They had, as it seems, followed Jesus, and they thought that he would be the Messiah, that, they, that he would free Israel from all of their oppression, from all of their troubles. But instead, they had watched him be murdered, be crucified by the Roman authorities, an innocent man murdered by the government. And their hopes uh, were dashed. And you can imagine them trying to slip out, of East, uh, slip out of Jerusalem before anyone noticed them and they were embarrassed. Or, or maybe them leaving Jerusalem represents that they were running away in fear for what might happen to them. But guess who shows up? Guess who meets them on the road? It's Jesus, fresh out of the tomb. And for some reason, his disciples didn't recognize him. And so it's like Jesus is making small talk with them as he walks with them. Right? Oh, what have you guys been up to? How are you guys doing? Uh, how was your weekend? Did you do anything fun? And are you serious? Have you, have you not heard? Have you been living under a rock? Jesus might, may have replied, well, in a, in a manner of speaking, yes. But uh, no, go on. What did I miss? And so they tell him everything that has happened. Uh, which in terms of reading it as a narrative uh, is pretty awesome. I mean, we're given information. We know that this character that they're chatting with is Jesus, who just rose from the dead. And they're trying to explain to him what happened. And we kind of, as readers, we want to like shake them going, you're talking to the risen Lord. You don't, no, no, he was there. He knows about it. You're making a fool out of yourself. And, and when we read the story, we, we kind of, I don't know, I, I expect Jesus to have just gone, okay, enough of this. I'm God, you need to worship me, and I'm like, I'm Jesus, you know? Uh, and, and just kind of appear to them in all of his glory. But, but, but he doesn't do that. What does he do? He walks with them. He, he journeys with them. And, and each step, they're getting farther and farther away from Jerusalem, the place where I'm sure Jesus has lots to do, a lot of people to visit, uh, appear to. Um, but he's willing to walk along with these disciples, walk along further away from his mission. He's on the road with them, patiently listening to their fears and their frustrations and their disappointments and their grief. Um, he's willing to meet us on the road and he finds us right where we are, right in the midst of our brokenness, in our sadness, our doubting, our pain, our weakness. He doesn't have to have a grand entrance, even though he is fully deserving of that. 
He chooses in this passage instead to walk alongside of us, and he meets us on the road. So continuing on, uh, after the travelers explain all that has happened on Friday, Jesus gives what had to been the coolest Bible study ever. He opens up the scriptures and interprets it for them. Uh, Luke doesn't record exactly which Bible passages Jesus was using or what exactly he said. Um, He doesn't give us a real clear picture of how uh, Moses and the prophets, which is just kind of shorthand for the the, what we'd call the Old Testament. um, He doesn't explain exactly how all of that points to Jesus. We're not given a Bible code to decipher the hidden meaning. Uh, Better than that, we are given an invitation to meet Jesus in his word. Again, he could have simply said, yo, it's me, it's Jesus, I'm alive. Uh, But he doesn't do that. He, He gives a Bible study. This is the risen Lord, and the first thing he does is give a Bible study. And that, that baffles me, but I think it's actually really cool. He explains how all of this, this, his death, his suffering, his resurrection, could be found in Scripture. Which means that even when we are face to face with the risen Lord, these words in Scripture still matter because they are still the word of the Lord. And this is awesome because this means that when we join together together, uh, with God's people in morning prayer, or, or we read the Bible as part of our daily rhythms, or we spend time reflecting and meditating on certain parts of Scripture, we have the opportunity to meet Jesus. Your time spent in God's Word, then, is never wasted, though sometimes it may feel that way. But the promise here in this passage is that our risen Lord can be found by reading and meditating on His words. So Jesus meets us on the road and he promises to meet us in his word. By now we have arrived at Emmaus. Jesus seems to want to continue, but it's getting dark and he can be persuaded to stay the night. Unknowingly, these two travelers have just invited God to dinner. And again, at any point, Jesus could have said, I'm the king of the universe. I've just risen from the grave. I do not need to eat your food. But no, the risen Lord is happy to have dinner with them. And as they are eating, Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to them. And in this moment, they recognize him. In this act of breaking bread, we can hear the distinct echo of Jesus's feeding of the 5,000. We can remember that the Last Supper, when it was there too, that Jesus also broke bread and gave it to us and said, do this in remembrance of him. We can see that how this act of breaking bread has informed our own practice as a church of celebrating the Eucharist. Breaking bread is also a way of just describing, describing normal eating, um, eating food together. And so this breaking of bread encompasses both the sacred act of partaking in the Lord's Supper, and the common act of eating food together as Christians, both of which become holy in this new resurrected life. We see in this passage that when his people are gathered in fellowship, offering and enjoying hospitality, when they partake in the Lord's Supper, in all these areas, we can expect to meet the risen Lord. Jesus himself will meet us in these ways. 
He will meet us on the road in his word and in the breaking of bread. Our passage ends with the travelers returning to Jerusalem in joy and wonder uh, in order to tell the other disciples what they have just experienced. Their testimony would confirm the reports of the women. Jesus indeed has risen. But what about our Easter? What happens when we can't gather together, when we can't break bread together, when we aren't really allowed on the road except in our daily exercise? In some ways, we are a lot like the disciples that very first Easter. They too were huddled in their homes, isolated, afraid, worried about the future and what it might mean. I mean, they're trying to be optimistic, but they had just watched their savior and their friend die, being crucified. They had put him in the tomb and it seemed that all hope was lost. And sure, they had kept hearing some strange reports, but it wasn't enough. Where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus tonight on our Easter Sunday? My sisters and brothers, I have great news. Jesus is here with us. He always has been and he always will be. That first Easter evening, as the disciples are gathered, huddled and afraid and alone and scared, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up unannounced, unexpected. He showed up and he met with them and he was with them. Tonight, he has also shown up in our own homes, in our anxiety and grief and every imaginable circumstance you might be experiencing right now. Our Jesus has and will continue to show up and be with us. This is the gift of Easter, Jesus himself, who will show up and meet us. He promises to be with us always, even to the ends of the age. And it is through him that we receive this life connected with God. He has shown up in our homes to remind us of his grace, that we have been reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And through the relentless pursuit of a loving God who became human, suffered, and died on a cross, was buried and resurrected, we know that he loves us so, so much. And it is through this resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is through this resurrection that we have great news that neither sin nor death nor evil nor anything else will ever be able to separate us from that love of Christ. So a final time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.